Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. The, the title of the message today is 10 Marks of a Book of Acts Church So Far, Part 1. I get creative with my sermon titles around here, and the title is today, 10 Marks of a Book of Acts Church, so far, in parentheses, part one, asterisk, etc. right? That's what we're doing today, all right? So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get through the first four points of this message, and then next Sunday, my intent is to finish it with the last six points. The reason that I've read Acts chapter three so far is because I'm putting a pin in the miracle story of Acts chapter three, verse one through 10, which is the healing of the lame man at the gate called Beautiful as one of the marks of a book of Acts church. If you didn't know this, but you are a part of a church that believes God for a supernatural moving, for bodies to be healed, for miracles to break out, for people to be reconciled to God and come back into alignment with how God has purposed their physical bodies to function. So we are a church, we believe in supernatural healing, y'all. We believe in that. So that's one of the marks, but we're gonna get to that next Sunday. As for today, what I've determined to do is like pull the minivan over and say, okay, we spent two months, Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two, what have we learned so far? So these are some of those principles that we're gonna be pulling out and we're gonna be applying to Legacy Nashville. Now, as we pull over, let's look back to where we started. Like day one of the road trip, where did we start? We started in Acts chapter one, and we started with verse eight. Let me read it to you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. From Nashville to the nations is something you'll hear a lot around here because we believe that what God is building in this season is a Jerusalem hub here at Legacy Nashville because he has designed this ministry to go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so when we say from Nashville to the nations, we're referring to this. It's got to start somewhere and we're believing God for Legacy that it starts right here in East Nashville. You are a part of something. You're standing on the ground floor of a skyscraper. I believe with everything in me that God is going to pick us up and move through this body in such a way that we're going to have the privilege of beholding the glory of God all over the world in at least 12 cities. If, if I am sure that the Holy Spirit has spoken anything to me ever in my life, that is that this church is called by him to impact 12 cities in the earth. I don't know when it's gonna happen. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but I know that the Holy Spirit spoke it and I know I said, amen. So I know it's gonna happen. I know it's gonna happen. From Nashville to the nations, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is why we've used this scripture to look for our new property. If you didn't know, we're in search right now of new property for this church. I know you're here in one service, but we have three, and statistically, all of them are full almost every Sunday. So, unless we're gonna do four services every Sunday and all the volunteers right now are nervous. 
like we're doing on Easter, we're gonna have to find a new sanctuary, a new space. I don't know where it's gonna be, but I want to ask you to intercede with us because we're believing God for what we're calling the Jerusalem hub from Nashville to the nations. Even when we started this church six years ago, even before then, I was a missionary and this was a missions base. We had always referred to this ministry as a landing strip and a launching pad for the nations. That we would truly go from Nashville to the nation. So that's very important to remember. This is where we started and this is what we're looking through and this is what we're believing God for to happen in this family and through this ministry. Why? Because we've listened to the Holy Spirit and this is what we sense Jesus is speaking over this church. So what are some of the 10 marks of a Book of Acts church so far? Well, number one is this. You ready? I hope you're taking notes. I know you guys are excited for the ordination ceremony, but we're gonna give you a little word here. First one is this. First mark of a Book of Acts church is this. Absolute obedience to Jesus. Absolute obedience to Jesus. A Book of Acts church is all about one person. Jesus. A New Testament church is all about one person, Jesus. It's not about the senior pastor. It's not about the preaching pastor. It's not about a staff member. It's not about any individual performing in such a way that garnishes anybody's attention. It is only about the only one deserving of all of the attention, which is the man, Christ Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the author, the finisher, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the only one worthy of all of the glory and all of creation for all of eternity. It is the man named Jesus. Y'all got it. Absolute obedience to Jesus is the first mark of a book of Acts church. Why is that? Because Jesus is the head of the church. I, I, I've joked with a few people. I have the title of senior pastor now, but I often say, I'm not really the senior pastor. It's Jesus. <laughs> and people are like, we know you're not really the senior pastor. We know that's Allison. <laughs> also correct. But even before her, Jesus. So it's really, really important that we understand this, that this is a mark of a New Testament book of Acts church because on the first day of the church, the experience that the disciples had was a response to obeying a commandment from Jesus. In Acts chapter one, verse four, it says, and while staying with them, he ordered them. Everybody say commanded. Notice it was not a polite suggestion. We have to get that when we read through the New Testament. Oftentimes, Jesus is not giving us polite suggestions as though they are optional for our faith, but he is giving us commandments that come from God that we must yield to and obey. And the birthing of the church comes as a result of a group of disciples obeying Jesus, which is why it has to be Mark number one. Jesus has all authority in his house. I joked a few weeks ago and I said, you know, if there is one place I'm not gonna be bossed around, it's in my own house. Like somebody comes over my house and try bossing me around, good luck. It's my house, man. You know, I'm king of my castle. 
And yet, Christians, we do that every single Sunday as we come into the house of the Lord and we start bossing him around. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this program, that ministry. And God, you're going to bless it. If there's any place, surely he's not going to be bossed around. It's in his own house. And, and, and so the church is not here on the basis of our preferences. The church is here on the basis of a pattern that has been given to born again, new covenant believers by God himself, who is Jesus. So he's in charge. He is the cornerstone. He is the chief shepherd. So our response as legacy is this. We lay down any rights we believe that we have in church. Our drive and desire, our drive and desires do not matter compared to Jesus's. He is in charge and we submit to him absolutely. That's it. I heard somebody say a cult gathers around the man of God and a church gathers around the word of God who is Jesus. I, I told our staff a couple of weeks ago in staff chapel, I said, hey guys, just so everybody is clear, we're all role players. We're all role players. None of us are the superstar. None of us are itching to get the ball to take the last second shot so that our name can be in lights. We're all role players. And it doesn't matter what role I need to play on this team in this season. The whole point is not me looking good anyway. The whole point is the victory of the kingdom of Jesus and he is the superstar. Are, are you with me? Am I hitting on this too hard? Have I gone too long on this? But I just think it's really, really important that we understand if we're gonna be a biblical church legacy, we're gonna have to be a church that is absolutely obedient to Jesus. I can say, hand on heart, all of what I'm aware of that we currently are doing as a church has been done in obedience to Jesus. I can put my hand, I can say, honestly, vulnerably, transparently, I don't know a single thing we're doing here that Jesus didn't tell us to do. I don't, I mean, if we might be and convict us, Holy Spirit, if we are. But I, I mean that with everything in me. When we started a third service, for instance, I'm, I, there were some folks that were like, I can't believe you guys are doing a third service. You have, you have lost the culture. Why? You're doing a third service. You're gonna have to shorten worship. Yeah, by three minutes. That's not very long. You can pray here on the way, in the car. If you want longer worship, just worship some at home first. <laughs> it's possible, right? But here's what we did for six months in prayer. We asked Jesus relationally, do you want a third service? Do you want a third service? Third service is gonna be hard. We know it. We're gonna have to change some things. That's gonna be different for us because we like long worship. And God knows I like to preach long. Long-winded, but do you want it, Jesus? And after six months, we sensed that Jesus was saying, I would like for you guys to give me another service. And that's why we always tell our team, and I know a lot of people are here today because the ordination in the third, some of you guys normally go to 1030 and you woke up an hour early today. Man, I hope that law goes through where they do, just deal with that and it's over forever. We're gonna have to pray for our senators after this because that is, law is ridiculous frustrates me every time, especially 
spring forward. Fall back, praise God, spring forward. Demonic! You know, it's like one is blessed, one's evil. Anyways, I forgot where I was going with that. But nonetheless, that's the point. Number one, absolute obedience to Jesus. Y'all ready for the second point? All right. Second point is this, Holy Spirit baptism. Holy Spirit baptism. It is a clear, definitive marking of a book of Acts church. It is a Holy Spirit baptism. In Acts chapter one, verse five and verse eight, the Bible says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. These are red letters. This is Jesus speaking. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In the same way, that the church began as the result of obedience to Jesus, the church begins as the result of a baptism from the Holy Spirit being poured out on obedient disciples waiting on the promise of the Father in the upper room. Whenever all the Jewish listeners heard what was taking place, which was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as disciples were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, they all gathered around and they said, what is this? And the apostle Peter stood up and he gave the first message on the first day of the church, verse 38 and 39. And he says, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, that was them, and for your children, those are the Jews, and those who are far off, the Gentiles and me, you. In East Nashville in 2023, the apostle Peter was talking about us. He said, and it is for you, all who are far off, everyone in fact, whom the Lord our God shall call to himself. What is Peter doing? He is giving clear instructions how to step into the body of Christ and be a part of this new covenant thing called church. He's saying, here's what you need to do. You need to repent of your sin and you need to turn from your ways and you need to move towards the will of God and his ways, which are righteous. And then you need to be baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you need another baptism, which is a baptism of the spirit. And you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can also be filled with what? Power. Because the book of Acts church operates in supernatural Holy Ghost power. That's another marking of a book of Acts church. And it comes as the result of a Holy Ghost baptism. I mean, think about it. The apostle Peter, this guy who stood up so courageously 50 days after the crucifixion of Jesus and he preaches 50 days, Pentecost, right? He preaches uh, to this group of people, Jewish people, who had probably participated in the crucifixion of our Savior. And yet he preaches to them with so much boldness. And just 50 days previous, what was he doing? He was in the temple courts denying that he even followed Jesus to a 12-year-old little girl. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit can do in your life. It can take you from trembling in front of a little girl to then stepping up with courage and preaching the gospel of Jesus in front of persecutors. That's why you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit comes wearing a backpack of power. So much power 
I don't know about you, but I need power. How about you? I need supernatural power working in my life. My own strength, it's just not enough. And how in the world am I ever going to obey any of the commandments of Jesus, especially the Great Commission, without the Holy Spirit and with power? If I don't have any, if I don't have any power, then I'm hopeless. Here's our response to the second mark, which is Holy Spirit baptism. We make space for all believers to be baptized in water and spirit. Speaking of, you know, we have almost 20 people, I think, registered for water baptism which is coming up soon. If you want to get water baptized, I want to invite you. Let's get water baptized. I want to have so many baptisms, we need two pools. Like one is just not enough. We don't have to double dunk at the same time. And spirit as unique and separate experiences. We believe all disciples of Jesus may receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a free gift. It's not something you earn, it's something he gives. And speak in other tongues as the Spirit enables them. Which leads us to point number three, which is local unto global evangelism and missions. Now, I know this one is like, oh, hold on, wait just a second. Like, that's not for me. No, it's for you. If you are a Christian, if you are a disciple of Jesus, then evangelism is for you. Now, you might be thinking, it's just not my personality. You know, I took the Enneagram. I am a nine. There's no way I can be an evangelist. I took the disc. I'm a high S. That means I stay in my seat. Remind me of that verse of scripture whenever Jesus consulted with the personalities of the disciples prior to calling them to preach the gospel on his behalf. It never took place because he dealt with their problems by giving them a new personality. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And the new creation that God made you to be loves to preach the gospel. Loves it. I know people, I'm not called. No, you're not called, you're caused. When the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, you will be caused to share the good news because it's impossible for that fire to stay shut up in your bones. When you know that you are aware of the path of life and you are watching somebody in so much darkness feel around blindly looking for a solution, you have the solution in your own heart. It's right here and his name is Jesus, the head of the church. And he has called us to share Jesus, to share the gospel and to share the good news from Nashville to the nations, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Why in the world would he send them to Jerusalem first? Did you know Jerusalem was the place of their greatest mistakes? I think that often happens. The first people that God tells you to go present yourself to are the people who wouldn't recognize you after you've been saved. Just like in Acts chapter three, the guy gets healed and they're like, hold on, wait, ain't that the lame man at the gate called beautiful? I believe that's what happened to me when people started seeing me show up at church. Hold on, wait, just a second. That is, are you serious, bro? Yes, it's me filled (laughs) with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm a different person. I don't even look like that dude anymore. And that's the point. We're sharing what we have with other people so that they can be redeemed as well. That's verse eight, which we read. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Jesus said, you're gonna be my witnesses. What is the Greek term there is martis, which means martyr. But what is another word for witnesses? It is evangelist. It is missionary. 
Have you received the great commission? You are a missionary. Great news is it's called a commission, so you don't have to do it in isolation. Jesus does it with you. Isn't that amazing? He ends the commission with, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That means anytime you step out to obey the will of God, Jesus steps out with you. You're not by yourself. This is a co-mission, but you are on a mission. Therefore, you are a missionary. If that was not the case, then why did all of the writers of the New Testament go to other places and share the gospel? They may not have known what Jesus meant in Matthew chapter four when he said, come, follow me. I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. They may not have known exactly what that meant. They did know, however, fishing was hard work. Therefore, they understood they would not be innocent bystanders simply watching as Jesus did all the works of the ministry. They knew they were gonna get involved, but they may not have known in its entirety what it meant by fishing for men. But we can see the fulfillment of that promise that Jesus would transform them into fishers of men as we read their stories in the book of Acts. Because they all became fishers of men. And what did that look like? They all became evangelists. They all became missionaries. They all went out and they shared the gospel and they preached the gospel. Here's what evangelism is. It's a proclamation of the good news of the coming kingdom of God in Jesus, including the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that good news? I've been forgiven of my sins, praise God. And the promise of eternal life, isn't that good news? That's what we're called to share with other people. Yes, your faith, it's personal, but it's not intended to be kept private. It's personal, but not private. We're supposed to share it by way of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the power. We know, church, Peter says, 2 Peter chapter 3, he does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everybody to repent. And we are the mouthpiece of God in this hour to share the good news with people who need to repent. And we're not going to them and correcting them. Listen, God hasn't called us to be right. He's called us to be righteous. We're going and we're sharing the good news and we're saying, look, did you know you can have freedom from sin and abundant life in Christ Jesus? Let me share with you this good news I have. Come with me to church. You want to get in a minivan and like go on a ride with my family? Y'all forgot my analogy at the beginning. No, y'all like just get to the ordination part. Okay, I'm getting there. Okay, let me give you a response. Evangelism, local and global, is not optional. It's not a polite suggestion, but a direct commandment from God. We are committed, church, to proclaiming the good news to as many as possible from Nashville to the nations. And that's one of the reasons why we are sending, how many students, Katie, are going on mission trips? 32. We're sending 32 students over the next two or three weeks, two or three weeks to Japan, to New York City, and into Kentucky to be short-term missionaries. And that's our, that's our first mission trips as LSM, isn't that awesome? We have 32 students in our school of ministry and they're all being sent out to go practice this. So we have three, absolute obedience to Jesus, Holy Spirit baptism and local under global evangelism or missions. I really believe church that our mission encapsulates these three, which is God's presence and God's people. We care about obeying Jesus. We care about Holy Spirit baptism and we care about God's people and we care about going and getting God's people, even before they know they're God's people, say, hey, come in, be a part of the family, become a child of God with us, right? Okay, so here's, here's the last point, uh, and this is what's gonna lead us into the, the ceremony. Here's the fourth mark 
of a book of Acts, book of Acts church. It is God ordained leadership. God ordained leadership. Acts chapter one, verse 20, verse 24 and 25 says this. This is uh, Peter. He said, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let another take his office. What was he doing? He was looking to the scripture for a biblical pattern of leadership for the church. That's what we do as legacy. We look to the scripture for a biblical pattern of leadership in the church. When, when you read through the Old Testament, how many of you guys are doing like a Bible reading plan right now? Some of you guys? So you read through the Old Testament, right now you see, if you're in a, in a Bible reading plan, you're gonna see that God is giving Moses all of these specific things about how he wants the tabernacle to be laid out. Like God has preferences down to the color of the drapes. He's like, I wanna make sure there are golden pomegranates on the robe of the priest. Which that's kind of strange. I'm like, why not pick like, yeah, we got some grapes, some orange. Nope, golden pomegranates. I want this exact thing in this exact place and it needs to be exactly this many cubits long and it needs to be. So I don't understand why we in the New Testament, we just feel like God's preferences have gone out the window. No longer does God have a pattern. He doesn't care anymore. No, no, God still has a pattern. It just looks different. It's no longer just about one nation, one people group, the Jews. It's about all nations, all people groups, the Jews and the Gentiles. But he still has a pattern and there are things in the Bible that we are supposed to look to just like Peter did and say, oh, God has a pattern. Let's apply this biblical pattern so that we can have righteous structure as we go about stewarding the power of the Holy Spirit, it's gonna be poured out. Are you with me? That's why the, message, the, the whole sermon series is called The Wine and the Wineskin, the spirit and the structure of the church. You with me? So he says, you're gonna see it's written in Psalms, let another take his office. They prayed and said, you Lord, know the hearts of all, show which one of these two that you have chosen to take the place of this ministry. Notice the team nominated the people, but it was God that chose them. So you see the very first apostolic team, everybody say team. team. The very first apostolic team here in Acts chapter one emerging. But you also see a leader of the team in the apostle Peter emerging because he's teaching the word and he emerges as the spokesman in Acts chapter two. And so it's absolutely true. Both in the New Testament, you're gonna see teams, leaders of teams, teams of teams, leaders of leaders. You're gonna see all of those things. What matters most, and this is, this is my opinion, it's not the style that we choose, but it is the essential fact that God chose them. Different churches have different styles of leadership, but here's what matters, guys, is that God installs the leader. That it's like, this is obvious. This is God's choice. And, that, and that's what we must have. We can't have men taking mantles upon themselves and installing themselves in positions of leadership because they're offended by the fact nobody else installed them into positions of leadership. That's not gonna create a family, that's an orphanage. We need God by the spirit of God, birthing leaders into positions of ministry and saying, this is your role in this season on the team. You're a role player. And, and you know, if you're, if you're called to be a pastor in here, listen, I, if that's God's calling on your life, we wanna know, we wanna be a part of your journey and, 
Even if you're not a pastor here, you want to be a pastor somewhere else, we'll send you. Somebody told me recently, I don't want to go to your church because I want to be a pastor. I said, that's the worst excuse for not coming to our church ever. They said, well, I, you know, if I go plant a church one day, what if people leave and, and, and they come with me and they don't go to your church anymore? And I said, we don't have any room as it is. I said, I need you to take a few people, like especially people who don't even live close. Some of y'all drive an hour. We did that survey. I was like, good God, we need to plant a church in their city. Just a thought. So God ordained leadership is that marking. And our response to this is, according to the Bible's requirements, we constantly seek to identify, to recruit, develop, and empower anointed leaders to serve and to help steer our local church towards God's purposes to make disciples and advance his kingdom. That's our response to that. So I wanna share with you guys now about this ordination ceremony that we're gonna do. And this is for pastors Brian, Pastor Sonia, and Pastor Michelle. And we're, we're really excited about this. You know, for a long time, Allison and I have been the only pastors here. And as we looked into 2023, uh, we felt it was clear and we felt it was wise that we add to this pastoral team. And so we wanted to choose people that God had already chosen. <laughs> it's not as much us ordaining them as it is God. We're just saying we agree with what God is already doing. He's doing it, not us. We're agreeing, we're submitting, we're yielding. And we're saying, yes, we see this, we recognize this. And what we're doing today, church, it's an ordination ceremony. It comes to us primarily from the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter eight. And this is the definition of an ordination. I wanted you to really understand what we're doing. This is important, especially on a family road trip. And this is what an ordination is. It's the act of officially designated someone to a public ministry or office. That's what we're doing today. We are publicly declaring these three pastors, we receive them and we agree with the plan of God over their lives, over their ministries to operate and function with the authority of the pastoral office in our ministry. This includes giving them authority necessary to carry out the ministry. So in the Old Testament, an ordination ceremony, it would take days it's just going to take minutes. All right. So you don't have to think that this road trip is going to be like one to Disney. It's, it, it just, it's going to take a little while in the old Testament. They would sacrifice animals. They would have unique foods. They'd put a unique wardrobe on all of the priests. We're not going to do that. They already look beautiful. But what they did do in the old Testament that we will do today is we're going to anoint them with oil. And what they did in the new Testament, Acts chapter six was they laid hands and we're going to lay hands and we're gonna bless them. So let me tell you um, three things that priest must do. But before I do that, I'd almost rather read these three things to our ordinance than I would just tell you about them. Is that cool? All right, would you guys stand to your feet in honor, Brian, Sonia, and Michelle? You guys, come on up. Yeah, you guys, come on up.
love it. I love it and I love them. You guys can be seated for another moment. We'll stand in just a second. But Sonia, Brian, and Michelle, I, I, almo- I almost ask like, can y'all come like, like hang out with me by ourselves before this moment? And I was gonna give you my three sermon points. Cause I was like, hey, these are very serious. <laughs> but we can do it up here too, in front of everybody. After all, it's a family road trip. So three things that priests do. And you, I know you guys know this, but we're going to get it real good. And we're all going to become aware of the three things that God requires them to do. Number one, priests make sacrifices. Priests make sacrifices. In the Old Testament, priests made sacrifices unto God on behalf of God's people. In the New Testament, priests no longer make animal sacrifices, but they still make sacrifices. They abdicate their, their own desires on behalf of God's people unto the glory of Jesus. So one of the things you three are going to have to do is you're going to have to make more sacrifices. (laughs) You're going to have to make more sacrifices. The second thing that priests do is priests make intercession. They make intercession. In the Old Testament, priests made atonement for God's people by sacrificing on their behalf. Thankfully, we now have Jesus as our high priest once and for all who has sacrificed himself for us so that we might be atoned unto the Lord. But nonetheless, New Testament priests, they still make intercession for God's people. We don't atone for sin, but we do serve and we do pray and we do it sacrificially so that people who are far from God can be reconciled in relationship to Jesus. Priests, they make sacrifices and priests, they make intercession. One of the things that'll happen to you guys after this moment is there will be people who God will put on your heart that you will not be able to shake free from. You'll say, I don't know what's happening in their life right now, but I'm gonna carry a burden from God for them until I see transformation in their life. And that's gonna happen because you're called as a priest to make intercession for God's people. And I know you guys know this, but it's gonna increase. So I'm blessing you, but I'm also warning you. Here's the third, third thing. Priests live by a biblical standard. Uh, there seems to be a notion today that you can operate and function in a God-ordained ministry and not live by any standard whatsoever. That's false. And we know that the word of God teaches us that priests must uphold a standard. In the Old Testament, they had to uphold a standard. And in the New Testament, they have to uphold a standard. And here's that standard. It's a number of points, but it's this. They have to be above reproach. They gotta be the husband of one wife. They gotta be, uh, their children are believers. They're not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. They must be above reproach, said a second time, must not be arrogant. They must not be quick-tempered. They must not be a drunkard. They must not be violent. They must not be greedy for gain, but they must be hospitable. They must be a lover of good. They must be self-controlled. They must be upright, holy, and disciplined, and they must hold firm to the trustworthy word as it was taught so that they may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. That is what New Testament priests must be able to do. And... One of the reasons why I know we've come to this place successfully is because I can say, and I know Allison would agree with me, and I know Franklin would as well as an elder, is that each and every one of these pastors, they uphold the conduct necessary to honor the biblical priestly code. So I can tell you that without a shadow of a doubt. 
So I, I, I want to ask my wife to come up. I want to ask Franklin to come up. Franklin's got some Bibles here that we're going to present to these guys. But before we pray and anoint them with oil and deliver these Bibles, I, I want to first, this is really what's called an examine. <laughs> Don't worry, it won't be too intense. But for thousands of years in the church, this is the way that priests were ordained. So I want to invite you to respond, we do, to the following questions. Brian, Sonia, and Michelle, do you believe that you are truly called by God and his church to the ministry to serve as a pastor? Do you now in the presence of the church commit yourselves to this responsibility? And you can respond, we will, to these questions. Will you respect and be guided by the pastoral direction and the leadership of Legacy Nashville and your pastors, me and Allie? Y'all hear that? That one was the loudest. You guys are so kind. <laughs> if there's anything I know about these three, that is true. They honor us so well, don't they? Awkwardly well. Will you be diligent in the reading and the study of the Bible, seeking knowledge and understanding so that you are consistently becoming stronger in your ability to preach and to share Jesus? Will you do your best to pattern your life and that of your family, your household in accordance with the teaching of Jesus so that you may be a wholesome example to this church? And last question, will you persevere in prayer, both in public and in private, asking for God's grace, both for yourself and for other people, offering all of your labors to God through the power of Jesus Christ? Amen. Well, I wanna ask you guys to kneel. I know it's... Ladies got on pantsuits, so they came prepared. We can, I, I, we're gonna pray for them. And uh, I, I have left this in the back of my closet for a number of years. I just never really felt compelled to get it out, honestly, because it's mine. I didn't really wanna share it. This is the same oil that I was ordained with 17 years ago. But uh, I just... I, 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 felt, I felt like the Lord said, you need to, you need to get out that oil. So one, one of the things about um, whenever in the Old Testament, whenever Aaron's sons were ordained by Moses, he said, I want you to take some of the spirit that's on you and put it on them. And so that's what the oil represents is that the authority that God has placed on Allison and I, we, we're gonna place on them and we're declaring, we're knowing that that same authority is gonna rest on these three. And so if you guys don't mind, I wanna invite you to stand up. And I just want you to stretch your hands out towards these three right now. Just begin to pray for them. Father, through Jesus, your son, give your Holy Spirit to Brian, Sonia, Michelle. Fill them with grace and power and make them pastors in your church. In the name of Jesus, Father, right now we ordain Sonia and we declare that all the days of her life that the anointing will rest mighty upon this woman of God to serve you and, to, and your family and your church as a pastor. Sonia, we, we bless you. We receive you as a pastor. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your son, Brian Nera. Father, we ask that your anointing would rest mighty upon this man of God, your son, 
We thank you, Lord, for calling and equipping him and for the grace and the power resting upon his life to become a pastor in your church. Lord, we bless Brian and we affirm and receive him as a pastor in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your daughter. We thank you for this woman of God, Michelle Fairber. Lord, we ask now in Jesus' name that the anointing of God would rest upon her in a mighty way and that the oil would saturate her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, that your power would rest upon her. We affirm and receive her as a pastor in your church. We speak this now over each and every one of them. We thank you now. We thank you now. We bless them. Even as an eldership, we bless them. As a church, we bless them. Church, just begin to bless them now in the name of Jesus. We bless them. Just intercede for them now. Ask God for strength on their behalf. Ask God for grace on their behalf. Release the mercy of Jesus over their life. Lord, we thank you for this grace. We thank you for this great mercy. We thank you for this great power. Equip those that you have called today as pastors in your church. Lord, we withhold from them no good thing. We ask that all things that are needed today, that you would bless and bestow upon their lives and that from this day forward, it would be tangible. It would be recognizable. We would easily acknowledge that the Spirit of God has come upon them in a new way to do what you've called them to do in this hour. Lord, raise them up. Fill their mouths with your words that they may prophesy, that they may preach with an unprecedented power in the name of Jesus. Lord, release your power through their hands. May great and mighty signs, wonders, and miracles be released through their hands in this church. In Jesus' name, and may they rightly divide the word of truth in such a way that it is undeniable that the sword of God is resting in their mouth, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, let a new set of armor rest upon them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. A fresh set of armor in Jesus' name. A fresh set of armor that is meant for this season, that is meant for increased authority in the kingdom of God. Father, we pray protection over them now. We apply the blood of Jesus over them now. There will be no weapon formed against them that will prosper in this season and in this assignment, God, but they will be wrapped up in a robe that is fitting for the priest of God. Put a holy garment upon them now in the name of Jesus, that they would walk in accordance with the righteousness that the Holy Spirit has resting upon them and that they might move forward even in a new grace, even now in Jesus' name. Even now, even now. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Fall upon them with a great power and authority. A great power and a great authority rest upon them in the name of Jesus to share in the work of this ministry. On behalf of Allison and I, we just wanna say we love you and we trust you and we bless you and we empower you and we thank you for your yes to Jesus. We thank you for your yes to Jesus. In so doing, we too give our yes unto you. We just say you run with the authority of the name of Jesus upon your life. You preach the gospel with holy boldness. You preach, you prophesy, you heal the sick, you raise the dead, you cleanse the lepers, you cast out demons, you, author, you, you declare the authority of Jesus to the poor, to the downtrodden, to the downcast, to the lost, and to those who do not know the name of Jesus. Many, many will come to the knowledge of salvation through the ministry of these three. Many, many will refer to them as mom and dad in the spirit. Many, many nations will be blessed as a result of the anointing that is gonna flow through their ministries. Many, many, tens of thousands upon hundreds of thousands in Jesus' name will be blessed. 
May the heavens open over them. May the heavens over, open over them in the name of Jesus. May the mighty roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah be released through their voice with might, spirit of might, spirit of might. Come upon them now in the name of Jesus. Spirit of thanksgiving, spirit of rejoicing, spirit of power in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, possess them, possess them, possess them, possess them. Every square inch of their body, power of the Holy Ghost, possess them for the assignment you've called them unto in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Frank, go ahead and grab their Bibles. Just bring them around here and just set them at their feet. Thank you, Lord. My love, you don't mind, just help them. Come on, let's bless these three right now in Jesus' name. So be careful with that oil. Be careful with that oil. Hey, that's made according to the biblical pattern. That, that, that mess is hot. Just so, just, I'm just warning you, don't get it in your eyes. If you guys don't mind, um, pick up your Bible, please. Receive this Bible as a sign of the authority given to you to preach the word of God. Do not forget the trust committed to you as a pastor of the church of Jesus. So we say to you now, go forth. Church, go forth. Say it with me, go forth. Rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Come on, let's bless these pastors. by you church but I am grateful that God has blessed us with these three wonderful pastors are you grateful I I can I can say that there are many 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 blessings that God has given me in my life but when I count up all of my blessings I stop thinking about stuff and I start thinking about people and I can tell you guys that God has blessed me far more than material things with people that are a part of my family in the natural and people who are a part of my family in the spirit. And I just want to say you three to me and Allison are blessings from God. You three are manifestations of God's blessing to us. So thank you for loving us and thank you for serving this church in the way that you have. We love you. We love you. One more time, church. Can we just give them a big old resounding applause? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. 
Amen. Amen. Well, as you're dismissed today, you made it through the road trip. We've successfully finished the pit stop until next Sunday. And you get the next six points of the 10 marks of a Book of Acts church so far, part two. Find at least 20 people and give them a hug or a high five and tell them you were happy to see them today. We love you all. Thank you for coming to Legacy. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.